Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. My name is Patrick J. McGinnis, and I'm a FOMO Sapiens. And since you're here, I'm going to bet that you are too. And when you're like us and Monday comes around, you don't dread the new week. No, you wake up every Monday morning knowing that this week might just be the best one yet. This is Faux Monday, the snackable show that starts your week right with hot takes, life hacks, listener mail, and even some FOMO therapy. Hey, everybody. This is Faux Monday, the snackable companion to FOMO Sapiens. We will be back on Thursday, of course, with FOMO Sapiens. But until then, happy Faux Monday. I'm your host, Patrick J. McGinnis, venture capitalist by day, author and podcaster by night, and FOMO Sapiens 24-7. Now on Thursday's episode, it is the season finale. Can you believe it? I mean, I just... I don't even know where the season went. We started out with Josh Peck, and now we're at the great kind of legendary CEO, Jim Weber. He is the CEO of Brooks. He's going to talk about how he found this company that was kind of in disarray. It was a bit of a forgotten portfolio company of Berkshire Hathaway. And then the story is pretty interesting. Basically, Warren Buffett said, you know, why don't you go off and run this thing? And so they spun it out and it's gone on to become a very successful business. Now, in this conversation with Jim, we talk about running and I tell him that I ran the New York City Marathon with Brooks sneakers. Now, I did that about five years ago, six years ago. It was a toughie. Let me tell you something. I ran the marathon, actually, because I, I like to run, but I'd never been much of a long-distance runner. And then in around 2009-10, I started you know, running more than the requisite one or two miles, and I, I was doing four and then 10Ks after I sort of had my whole blow up in the corporate world. Running became a solace for me, and then I worked up to a half marathon. And then I one day just was talking to a friend of mine, and he said that training for the marathon had added a lot of structure into his unstructured life. And so the notion of adding more routine and structure in a healthy way really appealed to me. And so I guess the way I decided to do that was by training for the New York City Marathon. And it really is interesting and I did the marathon. I, you know, I did fine. My plan was for four hours. I did about four and a half because there was an 18 miles of headwind. So I did not see that coming. But it was just one of these experiences that was one of the coolest things I've ever done. You know, when you when you run up First Avenue and you come off that bridge and everybody's there and cheering for you, you just feel amazing. It was beautiful. In fact, when I go to watch the marathon, I get all hyped up and I'm like, I should run it again. And then I think... Patrick, are you crazy? One and done. One and done with the New York City Marathon. I just don't know if my body can handle another one. Now, if you're thinking about running a marathon or you've been interested in doing it, I do just want to talk about that today because it is a really valuable experience. Some people run tons of them, but I want to tell you the 10 things that I learned that may be helpful as you overcome that marathon FOMO or lean into that marathon FOMO and think about doing it yourself. And of course, if you're like, Patrick, not for me, share this episode with somebody who might be interested because I hope that they will find it valuable. So 
Let's get going right after the break. FOMO. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to NetSuite.com slash FOMO. That's NetSuite.com slash FOMO. NetSuite.com slash FOMO. Tudo bem, meus queridos FOMO sapiens. Now that right there was Portuguese. And as you know, I love speaking foreign languages. But I'm not alone. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off that list with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Now, FOMO Sapiens, you know I speak four languages, and it takes work to stay on top of them, especially with French. C'est difficile. But with Babbel, I'm able to practice practical conversations that I can actually use in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash FOMO. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash FOMO. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash FOMO. Rules and restrictions may apply. FOMO. Okay. 10 things to know about running a marathon, how to do it. Number one, it is all encompassing. I had no idea when I got myself into that, that it was going to become a thing that would literally take over my life in some good ways, actually. But I will tell you something. For example, I was traveling around for business and I'd be in, you know, Sao Paulo and I would get up at six in the morning and go figure out, I mean, Sao Paulo is not a runner city, by the way, but I would find myself some route and go do my five, six miles that I had to do because I had to do that like three or four days a week and then do a long run on the weekend. And you would plan everything around this. So yeah, I got the routine in my life, but it was like, whoa, it just took on a life of its own. And in fact, I just remember, you know, waking up and just feeling like, oh, I have to do this no matter where I was in the world, which again was great, but it really became the way that I sort of had to just organize everything, especially the weekend when you're doing, especially when you get into those long, you know, 10, 15, 18 mile runs, it's just is like all of Saturday gone and all Sunday, you're just laying in an ice bath feeling horrible. So you just have to know that it is all encompassing before you get into it. And it really takes over your life for three or four months. Number two, it is the hardest thing I have ever done physically. No question. It is I remember when I got to the final bit and I had slowed down a little bit, but I didn't walk. I didn't walk the whole time. And then I passed my mom and my brother probably at mile like 22, 23, coming down Fifth Avenue. And then I got to Central Park and I got to the entrance of the park and I just stopped. And some woman, thank God, 
she cheered for me because I had my name written on my shirt. And she said, come on, Patrick, you can do this. And I picked up. And when I made it to the final, I actually accelerated into the final like champ. <laughs> but when I got to the final, I had three simultaneous sort of things that I wanted to do. One was cry. One was get sick. And one was kind of fall over. And I kind of did all three at once, frankly. I mean, I didn't quite do any of them, but I kind of did all of them. It was just so exhausting. I, I called my father and I just couldn't even express myself. I was so spent. I just like cried on the phone. So I just, you know, if you if you know that going in, it's important because that day of running the marathon is a killer. And then the training is really hard too. So, you know, it's just, you're constantly tired and hungry and sore for months and months and months. And then the big day just takes a lot out of you. And so you just want to know that again, like let's get rid of the FOMO, replace it with facts. It is, it's really tough and it's tough on your body and it's tough on your brain. And it's great, of course, but it is not, it's not just something to go out and do. Maybe, maybe somebody can do that. Maybe some other better human than I, but for me, like it was not easy. Number three, if you're looking to lose weight, look somewhere else. I'm going to tell you something. Number one, the day I started training and the day after the marathon, which was a couple months apart, obviously three, four months, I weighed exactly the same. Exactly the same. I was leaner and stronger for sure. I felt different. I was like, wow, this is great. But you don't lose weight. And in fact, after the marathon, I put on like five, six, seven, eight pounds, maybe 10 pounds. Why is that? Because you're hungry, as I said, for three to four months. And then when you finish, like I didn't want to run ever again. It took me a long time before I started running again, but I was still hungry. And I remember I knew I had a problem with like two months after the marathon or I woke up in the morning and I had come home at, at the night before and I had eaten two bags of microwave popcorn and I looked around the apartment at the empty bags and I was like, you need to figure out something. And in fact, I put on all that weight. I had to lose it. It all was fine, but it just, it's not about weight loss. So, you know, if you want to lose weight, there are other ways to do it that are a lot less painful. Number four, don't just jump all in. Again, this is like the 10% mindset, but before you just decide to sign up, go run a 10K, go run a half marathon, just figure out like, do I even like this? Do I like running? Because the worst thing you can do is sign up for such a massive commitment and figure out as you start training, you hate it. Because then you're sort of all in on it and you're signed up and then you don't want to do it and you're not going to want to put in the time. It's like anything else in life when you're, you know, I talk about the 10% entrepreneur mindset or going all in some of the time. It's like, if you enjoy it, you're going to make time to do it and you'll be far more likely to stick with it and be successful versus if you're just doing it and you're sort of like gritting it through, but you don't really want to do it. Like that's just not, why would you live life that way? Find something else to devote your time to that you enjoy, right? This is not a life requirement. You don't have to run a marathon. Maybe you would enjoy cycling and you can do something there instead, or maybe you'd enjoy, I don't know, learning a new language. Believe me, with the amount of hours you'll spend training for a marathon, you could probably learn a language. So figure out if you like it beforehand. And then if you do, go ahead and amp up the time you spend working on it. Number five, get training. Okay, this is a major undertaking and there are plenty of people out there who can train you and it doesn't have to be expensive. I signed up for this program through the New York Roadrunners that would send me every week a plan 
with what to do, how to train, how to eat. I bought a couple of books. And by the way, there's a, like anything else, there's all these different methodologies. Some people say, well, you have to do this one where you only do long runs and you don't run that much uh, during the week. Other ones are like, no, you have to train way more and do many more short runs and then only do fewer long runs. I mean, there's a million methodologies. I'm not here to tell you which one is right or wrong because they're all super hard. And frankly, some of them are for people who have much more experience or are looking to run super, super fast. If you're like me, you're a hobbyist, you just need something that's basic and it doesn't cost a lot of money. I think mine was 50 bucks. And there's also training groups and things like that. But just having somebody who can say to you, hey, don't do this, do this, you know, it just makes a huge difference because if you don't have that basic guidance and structure, you won't train enough. You will undertrain, or perhaps you will overtrain, which I think I might have done actually. And either way, it puts you at higher risk of injury, which you don't want to end up in that place. So you definitely don't want to end up in a place where you don't know what you're doing because there's so much expertise out there. And it's, I mean, let's face it, it's all over the internet. It's like YouTube. You can watch 10 YouTube videos and you're done. So get yourself some training. FOMO. FOMO. All right, let's continue. Number six, how to run a marathon. Get yourself the gear. Gear makes things more fun and also it really helps. So GPS watch, super important. I mean, that just makes everything easier to figure out what you're doing when you're training. You can sync it up with all your Stravas and things like that and get yourself the gear. I'm talking about the goop belt. You need to get the goop, the good sneakers, go to a good sneaker store, just like figure that stuff out and then be careful you don't run through your sneakers and then run on them on marathon day when they're too new or too old. Got to be careful with that. Also hydration, all the stuff you need around that with the water bottles and the belt. I'm telling you something, you want to get that down as well because if you don't drink enough or you overhydrate, you're going to be in a world of hurt. So go to the runner store nearest to you. And by the way, people there, they love to running. All these people who work at running stores, they're like really into running and they can give you advice. I was in there getting advice all the time. A lot of times they also have running groups that they run out of these places. So that can always help, which takes me to number seven. I've just given you a little preview. Train with a friend, accountability partners. I ran the marathon with my buddy, Ben. He's he's hardcore. He actually did an Ironman later on. So it was awesome to, to train with him because even though we didn't even run together all that much, just the fact that he was also doing the marathon, it was a great sense of support for me. And also... I could just ask him questions. How are you doing this or that? And so it was a great way for me to feel like I had somebody else who had skin in the game and he was just there doing it. So I always felt inspired because I was also very competitive. So I'd say, Ben, how much did you run this week? Oh, I ran half a mile more than you. And he still beat me. So clearly whatever he was doing worked better. But you can find people at your local running store or running club. There's all these places where people are training together. And that just makes it a lot easier because it can get really lonely, by the way, training for a marathon. Number eight, build your support network. And this, I'm talking specifically about the people who show up for you on the day. Who's going to meet you at the finish line? Who's going to cheer you on from the sides? Knowing that I had friends stationed along the route and most marathons these days, people can track you with an app. It just made it really helpful when I was feeling tired and then I'd see my friends on the side. It really pepped me up. I was much more powerful than I had anticipated having people along the route who could cheer me on. I sort of, I guess I was just like, I don't want to look 
terrible when I go by them. So I've got to keep going. And in fact, the hardest part of the New York City Marathon is the part where you go to the Bronx and there's nobody cheering because it's just less people in that area that are out and about and the crowds have dwindled. And so, you know, the the big idea, I think, is to get your friends to go to the Bronx. That way they can cheer you on when you're really losing steam. Number nine, run for a cause. So I ran for a team that was raising money for cancer. It's part of Fred's team. It was a friend's wife who had passed away due to cancer, Team Meg, and we raised money in her name. And he's gone on, he's raised like a million dollars for cancer. And so I think I raised a little over 2,000 and that's how I got my entrance to the marathon. There's oftentimes, you know, with a lot of these marathons, if you raise money, you get to participate. But more than that, I just felt really invested in doing something good. And so the idea that if I didn't finish or I gave up or I didn't raise the money that I was letting somebody down also kept me inspired. And finally, got to celebrate yourself. I had a little party that night. I could barely walk, but me and my friend who ran the marathon, we threw a party together, invited all our friends to come. We wore our medals. And again, I could. I also ordered myself some fried chicken, which if you know me, I don't do very often. So fried chicken and a party, could barely eat the chicken, could barely go to the party, but I'm so glad I celebrated. And I think that's important because even if you don't hit your goal, and by the way, I didn't hit my goal. I did not make it to four hours. You feel a tremendous sense of accomplishment. So remember the 10 things, number one, it's all encompassing. Number two, it is super hard physically, hardest thing I've ever done. Number three, it's not about weight loss. So if that's your plan, nope. Number four, know what you're getting yourself into. Run a half or 10K or multiple 10Ks or an 18 miler before you decide to do this. Number five, get some training. Number six, get the gear. Seven, train with a friend. Eight, build support on race day. Nine, run for a cause, and 10, celebrate yourself. Those will make it a lot easier to go through the process. Now, I'm sure many of you have done this because, you know, FOMO sapiens, we're all hyper-competitive. So if you have tips, ideas, or thoughts, reach out to me at letsconnect at patrickmcginnis.com, on Instagram at patrickjmcginnis, or on Twitter at pjmcginnis. All right, everybody, go out and run. And until Thursday, take care of yourselves, FOMO sapiens. FOMO. If you like today's show, please be sure to rate it and recommend it to your friends. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and on the web at FOMOSapiens.com or PatrickMcGinnis.com, where you can get all kinds of free resources to live a more decisive and entrepreneurial life. FOMO. Want more FOMO Sapiens and FOMO Monday? Head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis and on Twitter at PJ McGinnis. 